Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast, A Stream of Consciousness with me, Tobias, as always. I'm back from my sabbatical, hiatus type situation. I took a week off, alhamdulillah, I'm back. I hope you guys are all well. all that good stuff. <laughs> yes, so this is going to be episode three. I didn't mean to record this episode, actually. I was going to leave it for a different time. However, I'm a little bit wired because I have had way too much caffeine, even though I am caffeine sensitive. So if I get a tad bit aggressive or kind of annoyed at some point, please forgive me. Also, my setup is a little bit different. So if the sound is a bit off, apologies in advance. So let's hop into it. One of the conversations that I wanted to kind of touch on is isolation, specifically self-imposed isolation in a manner to kind of succeed or be successful. Hear me out. So recently, I seem to be seeing a lot of discussion Um, not even discussion, just a whole bunch of people tweeting the whole like hashtag I'm grinding and like doing it on my own and blah 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 type ilk and you know you don't need no friends type stuff and it's like "Mm." I think that's kind of detrimental if you want to be successful specifically on a broader scale it is extremely detrimental but also as in on a personal level in your health and your basic ability to communicate with those who are emotionally invested in you of course is detrimental however it is also counterintuitive counterintuitive can i say that word apparently not (laughs) so allow me to explain multiple people seem to have this perception that you in order to be successful one you have to do on your own like again we live in a hyper individualized and capitalistic society so that's understandable but also you have to kind of have this sheer genius idea in order to be successful but you have to be doing it on your own as in like you had no you know help or those around you no matter how emotionally invested in you they are cannot be beneficial to you in your journey i think that's a load of nonsense for example firstly i have never heard anyone who is extremely successful who doesn't thank their family members their parents their friends those who are around for their journey once they become successful so the idea that you have to lock yourself up and you know grind alone and then sort of hop back up you know six months eight months later with like bam i'm successful is nonsense additionally you don't know how important those around you are until you no longer have their support um recently i read um i think it was an article was it a podcast that i was i cannot remember inshallah if i remember i will tweet the links and stuff that I reference and it was discussing how Instagram became kind of the next big thing and what made it kind of different from Flickr and like the other apps that had been about and it was on a whim that one of the guys who coined the idea was actually on holiday with his wife and his wife turned to him you know as they were sitting on the beach like babe you should add filters to my pictures so I look pretty (laughs) literally just something as simple as a passing comment ended up being this sort of defining trait of his idea so again there's many stories and many people who attribute their success be it sort of financial support from your family or friends you know your friends are teen your work supporting your work word of mouth people always forget how important word of mouth is so if you are not engaging and you know participating within your community and your own network and again i understand because when you are like a minority or a first generation immigrant or a person of color period it is extremely difficult to have a collective you know network of people to rely on and i understand that but 
if we are going to be successful and accumulate the wealth that we all want, I want to say wealth, I don't mean actual like money as in like, you know, what you have in the bank in your savings account. I mean, money is cute, but like, that's not what I mean by wealth. Also, if you follow me on the pod, um, on Twitter, sorry, I've joked about numerous times about being a wealthy white woman. And when I say that, I don't actually mean wealthy white women in the sense of like, I want to become a white woman. That's tad weird. But what I mean is having the network, the resources, that allow generational wealth to happen. Basically, I want to be human LinkedIn, is what I'm trying to say. Because <laughs> a lot a lot of people forget that in order to be successful, a majority of that is being in the right time and the right place and being at sort of the precipice of rooms full of people who can help you with your idea, financially support the idea that you're thinking about or give you um, a way forward or a structure or a plan that you are looking for or like I said, funding, um, have your work shown at their gallery, whatever the case may be, tell you that that so-and-so firm that you've been eyeing up for a while is soon to have like a position open. You know, all of these things matter and whether we like it or not, society is about who you know. So this idea that you have to kind of isolate yourself and do it on your own is it's implausible. It's um, implausible and it's a fallacy and one of the things that you know generational wealth is important is not just finances it is your connections is who you know these are your resources these are things you can rely on it's that pocketbook of you know names and people that you know and acquaintances and building up relationships and rapports that's what's significant and that's what's important and that's what defines a lot of people who are wealthy who are I guess you know upper middle class in comparison to people like us as in who don't come from such backgrounds. Um, so it's a fallacy. It is it's not something that I've seen other, I guess, white people or wealthier people that I know of and spoken to even discuss. And like I said, it's really funny that there's almost a level of arrogance to certain people when I hear them talk about this isolation and being successful on their own. It's like, first of all, like I said, it's a fallacy. You cannot do it on your own, apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously. You're going to need help and his blessing as always. But I mean, outside of that context, it is impossible. There's a level of arrogance that, you know, your family, you know, your mum and dad who may not quite understand you know your project or what you want to do or how you want to do it can't be helpful to you I think that's really prideful and extremely detrimental to you because at the end of the day majority of the time it's going to be how well you tell your story when you finally get a foot in those rooms where people are able to help you or people who are able to actually make a significant difference in your career it is really important and I think telling your story means relying on those who are emotionally invested in you like your friends your family who, who always check up on you like dude have you eaten have you gone to sleep have you done this how are you how is your project how is it coming along all of these things matter and i think it's really detrimental when i think it's something peculiar that we as those who are striving for like a certain level of wealth seem to say because white people generally especially white men have no qualms in putting up a favor or you know being in those spaces and name drop nepotism is a thing and it's not a bad thing either if you have the ability to help someone in your sphere or to you know advise someone because you've been there done that got the t-shirt why don't you that's my issue with isolation include i think don't fall for it it's a trap (laughs) something to take from this it is important for us as you know somali people specifically but like muslim people black people young people whatever the case may be to kind of build our own networks for ourselves and collectively work together we like we are a community and i know that sounds really grandiose and like obtuse to an extent but it doesn't have to be on a huge scale it is literally something that you can do incrementally you can do it with you know 
you have a friend who you know is a writer and you have another friend who is trying to start a publication like connect people it's not that hard um, the second thing i wanted to talk about was exploitation a couple of things in the news currently have really irked my soul and i don't really know how to explain them but i shall try inshallah so um recently there was a story by um the financial times i think yes it was again i will link stuff that i reference inshallah and it was regarding the president's club if you don't know the president's club is a charitable organization and they hold sort of annual charitable fundraising type events um usually i believe is like the dorchester hotel now in this particular event it's, it's been happening for quite a while i think well over like five years it was an event where only men could attend and you're thinking okay cool i mean all right but along with only men attending to this event it was very wealthy men i mean like extremely wealthy men and there were hostesses which i think are glorified waitresses essentially sorry if that sounds rude but um i think that the main difference between a waitress and a hostess is and a hostess is supposed to actually engage with her clientele i think the young women who had applied for the position were told to have a very specific uniform they were all i think university age so between 19 to what 21 that kind of there were young women essentially and the uniform consisted of you know a short skirt a particular belt like these really specific should i say skimpy black outfits i think that was the quote on the article now in this event with these young women there was a whole bunch of inappropriate and rather disgusting behavior but i think what saddens me when i read this was one i wasn't surprised it was like mm, okay wealthy men taking advantage of women who aren't wealthy okay cool like i know which sounds really disgusting and cold but it shouldn't surprise you. The second thing was how eerie and creepy the whole event seemed. If you read enough thrillers, like I do, there's a book called Vanished by Tess um, Gerritsen. And essentially, it just gave me that kind of vibe. Like, here you have men who are exceptionally wealthy, who are supposed to be here for a great charitable event, right? So you're like, oh, okay, cool. And by the way, many of these charities that they were giving to included Great Ormond Street Hospital. These are really, really important events in the sense of helping, you know, those that really require it. But in doing so, here you had women who were propositioned, who were sexually harassed, who were groped, who were literally dragged from like standing position onto the laps of these men and no one seems to care. Like, am I crazy or is the world collectively and continuously in this really incremental and granule, is that granular whatever like just in really small manner just collectively becoming crazy because one the fact that it shouldn't surprise you is an issue in and of itself and the weirdest thing is that people on like twitter and like the news part of twitter i don't think it reached my timeline but um i follow a lot of like journalists and stuff so it was on there and it was just disgusting people were truly trying to defend it like well they essentially they were asking for it and it was just like no you came here to do a job also these women were told to sign a non-disclosure agreement i don't understand at what point men will check other men for their insolence I, I really i really don't know because it's all good and well women continuously saying Yo, men exhibit trash behavior. They do it all over the world, irrespective of race, irrespective of religion, class, it doesn't matter. It seems to be a cocktail for oppression the minute you have a group of men who are successful, because these seem to be exacerbated 
in like different spheres. This seems to happen every time you add successful men, power, and young women who don't have that same power. Like at what point do men check other men? Like I, I just wanna know like generally when, because it is disgusting, not surprising. When do you as a man think, you know what, I don't think that's appropriate. Like do, do men ever have this? Because again, I'm not man bashing at this moment because like you guys have listened, say you guys haven't met my brother, you haven't, but you've listened to him and you can clearly see that we have a great rapport and we come from a great father. So don't even try the whole, nonsense about well have that's your personal problem or whatever and i don't understand when a man decides this this is like a public space so yes it's a men only but are you telling me that all of these men partake in this like no one said um you know what i don't think it's appropriate or maybe you're getting a bit drunk maybe you shouldn't grope that waitress maybe it's not a good idea to tell her and i quote you seem too sober i want you to be dancing naked on a table. Like, who does this? A man say, you know what? I don't think that's appropriate to his peers. Because this, like, inability to check your peers seems to be something collectively that men do. Like, again, that's a sweeping generalization, but it happens on the timeline. It happens in real life. People are so quick, particularly men, are so quick to check other women for their mistakes, their shortcomings whatever the case may be and women for the most part do check their friends you may do it in private and you may do it in public but for me it seems like men have this inability to check other men for their stupidity and disgusting behavior so if you understand and if you're a man and you listen to this feel free to let me know because clearly i don't get it the second thing that i wanted to touch on um, was the whole Oxfam situation. Now this also took me by surprise and I was generally disgusted. Like, gen- I remember reading um, like bits of the article on the bus actually and I just could not fathom how inhuman and disgusting people can be. Allow me to give you like a general timeline of this whole event. So February the 9th, it was a Friday, the Times newspaper publishes an article about Oxfam covering up cases of senior staff, by the way, these are not just, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry just doing their jobs. I mean, these were senior members of staff who took it upon themselves in the 2010 earthquake to use prostitutes. Many of them may have been underage. Now, when I say underage, I mean, that's pedophilia. Like, let's be very clear cut about this. So amongst the male staff who were accused of sexual misconduct was at the time um, Oxfam's then director of Operations Haiti, like their director. His name, I'm gonna butcher this because I think it's Dutch or something, was Ronald Van, (laughs) let me not even say it. It's H-A-U-W-E-R-M-E-R-I-N-R-E-N or something. I think that's how he spelled his name. Anyway, again, I will link everything. So this man was a director. Now, not only did um they cover this up and then they said their behavior was and i quote totally unacceptable how sweet so the charity says that at the time they launched an investigation in 2011 now according to oxfam's own report four members of staff were dismissed three including mr van whatever his name is were allowed to resign now really listen to this bit right this man was allowed to resign at the end of the investigation now saturday the 10th of february the charity commissioner says, by the way, Oxfam was supposed to give their report to, says that um, they were not given the full details about the use of prostitutes by aid workers. It says that 
they had they would have acted differently like the commission would have acted differently had they known these facts now in a fresh story oxfam's chief executive mark goldring says the charity did anything but cover up the incident but he admits in 2011 reports were released by the charity did not give details of the revelations only referred them to as serious misconduct so underage sex with girls was just serious misconduct okay cool now um oxfam on sunday the 11th of february is hit with further allegations that staff on the mission of chad led by again mr van whatever his name is used prostitutes in 2006 so this wasn't a one-off no this is sounding very much like a systematic abuse of power the sunday times report also claims that the allegations were more than 120 workers from the uk charity were accused of sexual abuse in the past year 120 reading about this is just the charity commission which regulates the industry opens a statutory inquiry into oxfam the most serious action it can take ridiculous it is disgusting it is despicable and for a fraction of a second just imagine it wasn't oxfam but it was something like islamic relief god forbid just imagine can you imagine the vitriol can you imagine the backlash can you imagine i'm pretty much pretty much sure people will be serving time over this like i am sick and tired of wealthy white men getting away with their bullshit excuse my cursing i said i wouldn't curse but I, I'm sick of it. Like, I'm genuinely sick of it. I'm disgusted. How do you go to a war-torn country or how do you go to a natural disaster zone where people are desperate, where people are homeless, where people are hungry, where people are exhausted and suffered such trauma and take it upon yourself to further victimize them? How do you do that? How do you do... It is... Dis- I, I have... It is disgusting. It is absolutely vile and I genuinely have no words for it. And you know what happened when this Ronald, whatever his face is, ended up um, resigning? He went on to work in the same industry, just a different charity. Sound familiar? Sounds hella like the church shit. So someone commits a heinous act on vulnerable people, their employers, their company, whatever you want to call it, give them the option of resigning. And what happens? They move along in the same industry, just a different shiny new job. It sounds very, very eerily similar like what the church did when they found out priests were abusing young boys. What do they do? Just take him to a different church, cover it up. It's someone else's problem. I I honestly have no words. Like this story, I've read so many different articles, so many different think pieces of people talking about it. And it just continuously makes me physically sick how do you do this and you know what's funny actually there's nothing bloody funny about it the people who defend this because there actually are there are multiple people who defend it explain it away try and rationalize it it's disgusting how how do you rationalize it so um there are people who are defending this or trying to explain it away like well you know these people go there to do work and they become really stressed out and you know it becomes very difficult to see so much trauma day in and day out so what you have sex with women who are in desperate and dire need for money that's your logical conclusion it's like being a soldier in a war-torn country you know you see so much trauma sometimes they just need to let off steam and that's actually shit that i've read how are you comparing soldiers and not not that i'm excusing this but soldiers to aid workers the culture apparently was socially acceptable because it didn't just happen in haiti it happened in chad i am disgusted beyond 
belief because if this is just the tip of the iceberg well like it feels it feels like there's going to be more than this this can't be the only one before like i answer curious questions which by the way i'm sorry they've kind of been sitting there for like eight days or something um was something that irked me today um again i wasn't about to talk about this i was actually hoping to find time and wrote both my brothers in for the discussion but you know life we're all busy people there seems to be this really tragic trend of just constant death on my timeline specifically the death of young somali boys it is beyond tragic it is absolutely gut-wrenching subhanallah just i think tuesday night there were two boys who lost their lives i think it was something really short at space of time i think it was like between 8 and 10 p.m last night subhanallah may allah forgive them may allah give their parents patience subhanallah may allah forgive their past transgressions have mercy on their souls May Allah study the hearts of their parents and their family and those around them. SubhanAllah, like, I, I don't know. I could not imagine something so horrific. But, as always, some people just don't know when to shut the hell up about certain things. Um, I saw numerous, because this is more than one, numerous people decide all of a sudden that they were experts on knife crime and how, you know, detrimental knife crime is and the causes of knife crime. Again, I preface this by saying I know nothing about this topic. I have lived an exceptionally sheltered life. I have been blessed to live a sheltered life. And I understand and I'm fully cognizant and fully aware that it is nothing but by the grace of God that this, you know, thing has passed by my life and I've been completely oblivious by it. And it's something detached that I can read on a newspaper or an article and not tell you personal experience from it. But what really, really irked my soul was people throwing out statistics they just pulled out from apparently the air and equating their stupid opinions to fact I was disgusted. And then to double down on those stupid ideas when people who have clearly lost lost family members to such crime tell you that the shit you say is both hurtful, detrimental, and utterly disrespectful. How dare you be that arrogant? SubhanAllah, your arrogance is disgusting. You can read it through your tweets. Instead of saying, Alhamdulillah, this was not my struggle. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of God, this is not something that I have a personal experience on. You take it upon yourself to climb your high horse on the timeline. All because I'm entitled to an opinion. Your opinion is stupidity. Do not speak about things that you have no knowledge of. Do not speak about things that you know nothing about. It is disgusting and is also exceptionally un-Islamic. Okay, to lighten the mood, I will answer some curious cat questions before like i'm truly disappointed with the world um why are so many people lonely why is it so hard for people to make real connections when almost everyone wants to have real connections because we are stupidly um individualized and think only our problems are significant or grand like we t- we are really selfish and prideful to think that we like all our problems are the greatest things to ever happen in the world and it's like no just step out honestly if you just stepped out of your own eco bubble for like a fraction of a second you'll realize that one life isn't that deep secondly your problems are not that unique why does society place such a high value on beauty when it serves no function i don't know i guess beauty does serve a function like we like looking at pretty things 
you know what two questions would you ask to get the most information out of a person um their relationship with their family and their faith is justice a human construct or is it independent of humans it is independent of humans how much effort should an individual put into not offending others none at all for the most part um if you worry about how others perceive you or if others feelings are hurt you will constantly just be stuck in your own bubble and in your own head but nor should you be you know arrogant enough to think that you can never be wrong if you're in a bad mood do you prefer to be left alone or to have someone cheer you up Nah, leave me alone if your entire life was a movie what would the title be a series of unfortunate events <laughs> Stop. So dramatic. Um, Allah, you're cute. Jazakallah khair. Salam. A friend of mine took off a hijab. It hurts me seeing this. What advice should I give her? Um, oh, fun fact. Recently, my dad actually gave me some advice. Um, before you decide to advise another person or fix a problem, find out what ails them first. You said your friend was already wearing the hijab. Why is she not no more? Ask her that. Like, just talk to her. Like, yo, sis, what's good? you know are you okay how are you feeling how's your emotional state what's your peace of mind you know all those things um are important before you kind of be brazen and like oh you know you should do this and blah 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 give her ten thousand like reasons why she should be patient with her just be the person who reminds her of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consistently so every time she's with you you remind her of allah so that can easily be like oh dude you know what i memorized this all today or recently or dude i learned something um today about my faith or like i learned a hadith whatever the case may be be that person that she associates with constantly reminding her of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then you can explain to her but first of all like i said talk to her find out what ailed her first before trying to solve the problem um if you won the lottery what would you do lottery is haram um but like if i had a whole bunch of money I'd invest in other people. Like, I think it's really cool. Like, I'd invest in other people's ideas after, you know, the help, like, helping your family out and stuff. What does love feel like to you? I think that's what's supposed to say. Romantic sense? I don't know. I've never been in love. Um, but love in, like, a general sense, love should be easy. This idea that your love has to be some great trial or tribulation, like, not necessarily. Like, the love I have for my parents is easy. It's unconditional, but it's easy. And that doesn't mean that we get along 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we never argue or have disagreements with human beings. But it's easy and it's comfortable. I think that's what love is. Like this, like it's steady. I think, I think that's what it is. It's like comfortable, steady, and makes you feel at peace. That's what love is, to me anyway. What age do you feel right now and why? One hundred and three. I don't know. I just do. How do you get over commitment issues? You are already in a relationship. It's naturally progressing. All you want to do is bolt. <laughs> Um, the relationship is going really well and you're into the guy but it's just causing stress, mental peace, emotional satisfaction, potential happiness. Uh, I don't know sis, like, I guess um, you have to kind of just weigh up for yourself. How do you feel, like, is this worth something, is this worth investing in? Like, that's the most important thing. If it's worth investing in and you feel that there is something there, then you just have to allow yourself. Like, you can never have control. Listen, I'm a widow who has control issues, so you can never be in control of situations. Let go. You never know. He might be the love of your life, sis. Anyways, that will be all. Um, It's been mad real. Peace.